Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program where we come together on Wednesdays to support, encourage, and motivate each other in our meditation practice. We rotate each Wednesday between breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. And in previous classes, I did a four-part series on breathing mindfulness meditation and a four-part series on loving kindness meditation to help you build up this practice. And now we're actually in the part of the program where we're just rotating these two back and forth to give you plenty of opportunities to come together as a group, motivate, encourage, and support each other, and get any questions asked related to your meditation practice or any other aspect as part of this path to enlightenment. So each Wednesday, we come together right here in order to help you to develop your meditation practice and give you an opportunity to ask any questions. I will typically open up to any questions before going into meditation. And then also on the way out when we're finished with meditation at the end of class to see what questions you guys might have, again, either related to meditation or any other aspect of this path to enlightenment that you might have. Sometimes when we have our Sunday talks, there's things that the mind kind of thinks about between Sunday and Wednesday and Wednesday is a good time to kind of bring up those thoughts that might have occurred between Sunday and Wednesday and get further clarification so we can talk about any aspect of this path to enlightenment that you would like. Let me just share with you kind of an overview of how I've taught loving kindness meditation and then I open up to any questions that you guys have related to meditation before we get started with our meditation practice. The way that I teach loving kindness meditation is to start going into your meditation through doing the chanting. There's chanting that I've taught also as a four part series that will help ease the mind in the meditation and start cultivating mindfulness or awareness of mind and easing the mind into being observant of the breath, developing concentration and a number of other qualities that are needed on this path to enlightenment. Then we do kind of a five, 10 minute session of breathing mindfulness meditation in order to focus the mind on the breath and develop this awareness of mind, establish the breath, and wherever you observe that the mind is off the breath, you cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath. This helps to remove any kind of clutter, you kind of clear out the mind and get it prepared for the work of loving kindness meditation. Breathing mindfulness meditation itself is a good amount of work. So as we're doing that and I'm guiding you in that, you'll just focus on the breath, the sound of the breath, or the sensation of air moving into the nose. And this will help give you an object of fixation where you can fixate the mind on the breath. And anytime you observe the mind is off the breath, you just cut that off, 
let it go and come back to the breath. You don't try to observe the thought. You don't judge the thought. You don't label it. You don't try to figure out where it's coming from. Just wherever you observe that the mind is off the breath, you cut it off, let it go and come back to the breath. Then after whatever period of time we do breathing mindfulness meditation, I will start the loving kindness meditation through the guidance that I provide. You'll be breathing in and out as part of breathing mindfulness meditation. But then I will say some affirmations. We'll start with, may I be peaceful. And when you get to your next out breath, wherever that is, you repeat in the mind, may I be peaceful on the out breath. Then on the next out breath, we'll have another affirmation, which is, may I be safe. And then on the next one, it'll be, may I be well. And then on the next one, it'll be, may I be free of all discontentedness in the suffering that it causes. Essentially, this is an affirmation looking to build the interest and the genuine interest of seeing this being who you are right now as eliminating discontentedness, being peaceful, safe, well, and having eliminated discontentedness. You always start with I, right? This being that we call David or Jan or Chrissy or Donnie or Bossom or anyone else who might be joining us either live or in the replay. Then we move from may I, after having cultivated in our mind for this own being to be peaceful, safe, well, and free of discontentedness, we move to a ring a little bit larger than that. And usually I use may we meaning whoever we're meditating together with, right? So when I say may we, it's all the people who are meditating together be peaceful, safe, well, and free of discontentness. And each affirmation will come on the out breath. And wherever you get to your out breath, you just repeat that on the out breath. Then in our meditation today, I'll create these kind of generalized rings that apply to everybody. Certain rings that'll get wider and wider and wider eventually until we get to all beings. May all beings be peaceful, safe, well, and free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. This isn't a prayer. This isn't trying to change other people through our meditation. This is us doing the work to cultivate this genuine interest in seeing other beings be well through our own practice, through our own mind, so that now when we interact with various beings in the world, then we have cultivated this loving kindness in the mind. And now through our intention, speech, and actions, we can start practicing loving kindness in a more and more deep way. The Buddha talks about ensuring that our mind is filled with loving kindness or permeating with loving kindness. This is really important in order to practice these teachings as an enlightened being, you would need to have the mind filled or permeating with loving kindness so that in your intentions, speech and actions, that you start interacting with people with this loving kindness or this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. In your practice, when you do this on your own, you would create customized rings based on your individual needs for your practice. So if there's people that you would like to cultivate more loving kindness for, that you currently have loving kindness for, you would include them as a ring or a certain individual or a group of individuals. If there are people that you're having challenges with in your practice, maybe you have irritation or annoyance or frustration or 
anger towards certain people that are in your life. You would like to include them in this ring on an ongoing basis so that you can cultivate this genuine interest in seeing them be well in your meditation. And then as you do that over a week or two or a month or two or however long you need to include them in your meditation, then when you interact with them, you'll be able to now interact with them through your intention, speech and actions with loving kindness rather than anger or hatred or ill will or the lesser versions like frustration, irritation, annoyance or things like this. So we're transforming the mind away from anger, hatred, ill will, and all the lesser versions to this loving kindness. So that now, instead of our intention, speech, and actions being motivated by anger, hatred, and ill will, or those lesser versions, now they're being motivated by loving kindness. So it's moving this loving kindness into the mind through meditation and kind of pushing out these unwholesome qualities of anger, hatred, and ill will. And then now in our daily life, we practice being polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all beings through our intention, speech, and actions. And now with you now practicing in this new way through your daily activities, now you'll see the results of how people choose to interact with you will slowly start to change perhaps if they choose to do that. Or you might end up having so much loving kindness for this being yourself that you might choose to kind of move away from certain people. If there are certain people that are quite harsh or quite aggressive or they're not interested in having a more conducive relationship where it's built on politeness, kindness, friendliness, and respect, you might choose to now move away from those types of individuals and then cultivate relationships for yourself where people are having a foundation of politeness, kindness, friendliness, and respect. So let me pause here, see what questions you guys have before we start our meditation, because after we do loving kindness meditation, we'll go back to breathing mindfulness meditation for a little while. Then we'll go into chanting and end and open up to any questions you guys might have at the end of our session. So I'll just turn things over to you guys. You can ask questions by putting those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. And then if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow-up questions directly. I'm not sure. I, um, last Sunday, we learned about non-self. So here, the first ring of uh, loving kindness meditation, the affirmation used is it may all be safe, well. So is there any contradiction here? Yeah, so what it's important to understand is that our English language is somewhat constrained and limited in the way that we can describe certain things. And this is part of the complication that the unenlightened mind has and the, one of the reasons why we actually develop this misperception or this misunderstanding or this false mistaken belief that there is a self. Because it's really hard to refer to this being that we call David without using the word I. So while we may use the word, may I be peaceful, in order to realize non-self, the mind has to get to the point where it understands that even though I use that word, may I be peaceful, there is no I here, there is no me, there is no you, that we're referring to this being that we call David, but this language is kind of inadequate in order to fully describe that there's this physical body, there's this mind, these have come together for this existence, but there is no I here. 
So even though in certain occasions I might say, this is my son Bailan, the mind knows he's not mine. He doesn't belong to me. And therefore, the person can realize non-self that even though we're using this language, the mind deeply understands that there is no I, there is no my, there is no you. And you can use it in a situation like this with loving kindness meditation if you're able to deeply understand that. Some people choose to just use the name, you know, may David be peaceful, may David be safe for yourself. So for Bossom, it would be may Bossom be peaceful, may Bossom be safe, for example. And if that helps you to refer to this being that we call Bossom or Donnie or Jan or any other name, you can use your own name so that you think of it as this being that you're cultivating loving kindness for. But I used the pronoun I because there isn't anything else kind of fitting that would describe what's really going on here, which is this big bag of skin with bones and fluid and muscle tissue and things like this, with this consciousness kind of controlling it all. Thanks, Richard. No more questions for now. All right. So if you guys would like to go ahead and take a position for meditation, Usually we do this in the seated, lying, or standing position for loving-kindness meditation. We wouldn't do loving-kindness meditation in the walking position. But the seated, standing, and lying positions are positions that are typically used for loving-kindness meditation. For seated, that means your lower body is going to be comfortable. If you're on the floor, you might cross your legs lightly, put something under your rear to get that up and lessen the angle at the hips, knees, and ankles. And then the hands and arms should just be resting comfortably in the lap. The Buddha put his right hand over top of left with the thumbs together and then put that in the lap. If that's helpful for you, you can do it that way. But for not everybody, that is comfortable. So it's not required that you put the physical body in exactly the same position as the Buddha or as every other person because that's impossible. So you find what's comfortable for you and if your hands are more comfortable on your thighs, on the knees, or the armrest of a chair, go ahead and do that if you're sitting in a chair. But your lower body and hands and arms should be completely relaxed and the muscles should be unengaged during meditation. The upper body should be erect. The spine should have the muscles erect around the spine this helps to keep the mind attentive and alert. The Buddha talks about keeping the spine erect or the upper body erect during meditation. And what this does is it helps to keep the mind attentive and alert during meditation so that you can do the work during meditation. Meditation isn't a time for us to zone out or you know, just kind of indulge in thoughts or, or try to figure out our problems or anything like that. It's an active, dedicated, purposeful training session where we're actively training the mind. So keeping the upper body erect allows us to keep the mind attentive and alert during the meditation. Next, you would like to just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Nice, natural breath. Breathing in... In, out. Breathing in. In, out. 
This guidance is just to help you. Your breath and your pace of breath is going to be unique to you. So this guidance is just to remind you to breathe in through the nose, wherever you get to that breath. And out through the nose, wherever you get to that breath. I'm going to ease us into meditation with some chanting. If you'd like to join, if you know these chants, you can. And then I'll be back with some more guidance after chanting. in through the nose, nice natural breath, full inhale, experiencing the full breath, and then a nice gradual natural exhale out through the nose. 
Breathing in. Start fixating the mind on the breath, the sound of the breath, or the sensation of air moving into the nose. The breath is the present moment. Fixate the mind on the breath. Breathing in. Breathing in and out. Focusing the mind on the breath. Whenever the mind is off the breath, if it's going to the past, the future, having thoughts, ideas, or perceptions, wherever you notice that, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath. No need to judge the thought, label it, or even observe it and figure out where it's coming from. Just wherever you notice that the mind is off the breath, cut it off, let it go, and come back to the breath the present moment, breathing in and out, breathing in and out. I'm going to be quiet now, let you do this work with breathing mindfulness meditation. And then I'll be back with guidance for loving kindness meditation. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. This is your time to focus on the breath. Breathing in and out.
Continuing to focus on the breath. Breathing in through the nose. And out through the nose. Wherever you get to the next out breath, repeat this affirmation in the mind. May I be peaceful. May I be safe. May I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May we be safe. discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Practicing this path 
be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those who are not practicing this path be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness 
and the suffering it causes. May all beings, wherever they reside, be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Turn back to breathing mindfulness meditation, focusing on the breath. Wherever you notice the mind is not on the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in.
to make your way out of meditation doing breathing mindfulness meditation the Buddha described it as being the number one best thing that we can actually do for our mind he prioritized breathing mindfulness meditation as the top priority and in terms of developing wholesome results or wholesome outcomes he describes breathing mindfulness meditation as the number one best thing essentially that we could do for our own mind, for our life practice, or for anything that we decide to do in the world. And then he described loving kindness meditation as being the second most important or best thing that we could ever do in terms of our decision making that leads to wholesome results. So today, if you have done this breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation, that means you've done the two most important things that the Buddha described as improving the condition of our mind and improving our ability to have wholesome outcomes in our life. There's many decisions that we make in a given day, 
but making the decision to do breathing mindfulness meditation and or loving kindness meditation is the absolute best thing that we could ever do because we're transforming the mind to now practice in a way that it's more pure and it's eliminating this pollution of craving, anger, and ignorance or unknowing of true reality. So I'd like to just turn things over to all of you to see if there's any questions from Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. You can put those into the comment section or you can raise your hand electronically and ask any questions that you'd like. Well, it seems that in, in some cultures, uh, people are taught that loving ourselves is a kind of selfishness. I don't agree with that. Uh, if we don't have love for ourselves, then we can't have love for other people, true love. If we're disparaging ourselves, if we have this negative self-talk, then we aren't well. And if we go around just constantly trying to take care of other people, but we lack our own needs and we're not taking responsibility for our own needs, then that means eventually the gas tank's going to get empty and we're no good for anybody. So it's not selfish to take care of this being. It's ensuring that this being is here and available and that we have the things that we need in order to uh, sustain our life. The Buddha did the same thing when he talked about prioritizing our practice. He always talked about focusing on our own practice first. And then he never said that we should go out and try to force others or attempt to convince others to practice these teachings, but instead that we should focus on our own practice. So if we're not whole ourselves, then we can't be there to help other people when other people need our help. So it's important that we focus on our own practice and make sure that we are whole ourselves because there's plenty of hours in the day and it's not a either or situation. It's not take care of yourself or take care of other people, you can do both. You can ensure that you're taking care of yourself so that then for your kids, your life partner, your colleagues, your boss, your friends, your family, other people have this individual, you, that you've taken care of yourself. Now you're able to be available for other people should other people seek your guidance or your support. But if you weren't taking care of yourself and only trying to take care of everyone else, then you're not going to have what you need. You're not going to be whole. So it's utterly important that we prioritize taking care of ourselves and making sure that we're whole before we go out into the world. And that's why I suggest people to start with meditation in the morning being one of the first things that you do as part of your morning. And then also in the evening as well. And then if you have time in the middle of the day, you can do a session in the middle of the day. So you have two or three sessions per day. But if we don't take care of ourselves, then there's just no way that we have what we need to be of any use to anybody else. Is there a difference between love that we have for those who are close to us, family members, wife, husband, children, and love that we cultivate towards people whom we do not interact with or we didn't have ever seen before? When we don't understand what true love is, th there is a difference because we oftentimes misunderstand craving, desire, attachment, and we're calling that love. And we oftentimes feel that we fall in love with people and out of love with people. But this is really just expectations and conditions that we have. And that when our 
expectations are met, we say we love this person. And when the person's not meeting our expectations, our conditions, then we say we don't love them anymore. This isn't actually love. This is craving, desire, attachment. This is selfishness. This is selfish desires. But when we practice true love, which is a genuine interest in seeing others be well and be peaceful, now we can actually love everybody equally. Of course, we have certain things that we do differently for our own children versus other people's children or for our own family or life partners. We do things differently with them in terms of, you know, if our life partner or our child is sick, you know, we're going to take them to the doctor. We're going to purchase medicines. We're going to make sure that we care for them in a certain way with a interest in seeing them be well and peaceful. These other beings who are friends or coworkers, we still have a genuine interest in seeing them be well and peaceful, but in terms of our roles and responsibilities and the activities that we partake in their life is different because our role is different. We're a friend versus a family member. So with family and friends and other people in our life, we can love everybody equally, having a genuine interest in seeing them all be well and peaceful. But the role that we fulfill in each other's life is very different depending on our relationship with that person. So the role is different, but the love should be the same, have the same genuine interest in seeing all beings be well and peaceful amongst all human beings. On Facebook, we have a question from Denise. Uh, can it be said, may this being be well and peaceful? Yeah, you can include two affirmations like that in the same line. What's important is that whatever affirmations you create, that they're non-burdening. They're not burdening somebody with having to be able to do something. Not that we could do that anyway. But in your own mind, you would like to have these things like, may they be safe, may they be well, may they be peaceful, may they be free of discontentedness. These things that don't require anybody to do something versus may all beings be kind right? That requires them to do something. Or may all beings be polite, right? Or may all beings be respectful. This means if we structure our loving kindness meditation in this way, we're creating a condition and we're saying, okay, this is the condition of my loving kindness is if other people are kind, I will be kind. Or if they're polite, I will be kind and wish them well. Or if they're peaceful, I'll be peaceful. This is conditioning our loving kindness on what other people are doing. So that's why when you're creating your rings, you would like it to be non-burdening, where you aren't burdening somebody else with having to do something in order for you to be able to practice loving kindness. Your loving kindness should not be contingent on what somebody else does or what they don't do. You should practice loving kindness in all situations. It doesn't mean that if somebody is hateful and angry and vindictive that you still choose to be their friend. You don't necessarily need to do that. You can actually step away from relationships while still having loving kindness for someone. You can still have a genuine interest in seeing someone be well and peaceful and choose to step away from them knowing that their hatred and anger is not healthy. And this can actually be one of the most loving and kind things that you do is choose to step away from that relationship because then that individual can see more and more as more anger and hatred comes out from them, there's less and less people that are interested in being around them. So when you create this loving kindness meditation, you can use the four affirmations that I use, or you can create your own. Just be sure that the affirmations that you use aren't 
burdening or conditioning your loving kindness on somebody having to do something in order for you to practice having a genuine interest in seeing others be well and peaceful. On Zoom, Joe has a question. She writes, thank you, Dr. David. During meditation today, I felt it was a struggle to keep focused on the breath and a struggle to focus on the loving kindness affirmations. My mind was slipping into what almost seemed like dreams. What guidance do you have for days like this? Thank you. What's important to keep in mind in days where your mind is having challenges focusing on the meditation is this is impermanence. That's all you can be thinking about is this is the impermanent nature of the world, this universal truth of impermanence that our meditation some days in some weeks and some months are going to be very peaceful, very calm, very stilling. And then other days the mind's going to be more cluttered and Uh, lack concentration. And this is what happens, particularly in the unenlightened mind, that there's going to be this up and down aspect of the mind, that some days it's going to be more peaceful, other days it's going to be more cluttered. You haven't necessarily done anything wrong, but what you would like to do is be sure that your daily practice of going out into the world and practicing things like right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, and others, Make sure that those are really well developed because in your daily life, if you're practicing those really well, then your meditation will be of a better quality. Whereas if we're not practicing good, wholesome moral conduct, for example, our mind will be a bit shaken up and it'll make our meditation more rocky. So by doing good quality, wholesome meditation, it helps us and supports us in daily life to practice the moral conduct in the other parts of the Eightfold Path. By practicing those in daily life, it helps our meditation to be more successful and more productive. But even still with that, until the mind is all the way enlightened, you're going to see this up and down aspect of your your meditation. And some days it'll be real significant up and down, other days not so much. As you get nearer and nearer to that first, second, third, and fourth stage of enlightenment, the up and down becomes less and less where at the beginning part you know you get these really big ups and downs throughout your meditation practice but then as you get closer and closer to actual enlightenment the ups and downs are less high and less low so you don't have as much impermanence in your meditation practice but it's going to happen and just recognize it as impermanence do the best that you can focusing on the breath And then when it's not the way it was last time, then that's just impermanence. The only thing that you would not want to do is crave to have meditation like you had before. So if you went through like a month of real peaceful, calm meditation, and now things are a bit more rocky, if your mind craves to be back where it was in the past, that's where it'll be discontent. Where instead, you just got to recognize like, okay, this is where the mind is. It's a bit shaken up more than normal. And sometimes we view that as like an unsuccessful or unbeneficial meditation. But in reality, if you emerge from meditation and what you've taken away from it is, hmm, the mind's a bit shaken up. It's about cluttered today. That's awareness of mind. That means you know your mind's a bit more cluttered than normal. And now as you're going through your day, you kind of recognize that you're aware of that and you take your time more with various activities that you're involved in and you pay really close attention to all the other factors of the path 
ensuring that you really are working with right intention, right speech, right action, and all these others. So when our meditation isn't as peaceful as it was, as long as we're not craving to be where it is and we just recognize this is where it's at, then that's wonderful. And when you observe that the mind is a bit more cluttered, that's actually a productive meditation session because now you're walking away from that meditation with more wisdom about what's going on in the mind. And this will benefit you in your daily life. Is it okay to uh, integrate or combine the <clears throat> meditation for realizing oneself with these two kinds of meditation in the same session? If somebody was going to do the meditation to realize non-self, I would suggest instead of loving kindness meditation, insert the meditation for realizing non-self in there. So you could do your chanting, you could do your breathing mindfulness meditation. Then just like we do affirmations with loving kindness, do the part with meditation for realizing non-self, then do some more breathing mindfulness and then come out with chanting. If you put in too many things at one time, I think it detracts from the individual potency of each meditation. So if you tried to do breathing mindfulness, loving kindness, and meditation to realize non-self, I think it would be too much for the mind to do in all one session. If you're doing meditation properly and putting the real effort into the meditation the way that each meditation needs, it would kind of be too much, I think. So it's better to really kind of focus on one thing at a time, maybe kind of bookending it or sandwiching it with some breathing mindfulness meditation, but not trying to do, you know, so many meditations all in one session. You can always do a session of breathing mindfulness with loving kindness and then wait an hour or two and then do breathing mindfulness with realizing non-self, you know, and then wait another few hours and do another one. You could always do it that way. But putting them all in one session, I think, would kind of overload and overwork the mind. You know, probably get a bit confused. On first mocap, Barakshit writes, so he abides contemplating body as body internally, contemplating body as body externally to the rest of this teaching uh, or chapter. Madrama teacher, what is meant by externally and internally here? Please, teacher, would you explain us the meaning? This is the Buddha giving guidance on developing the four foundations of mindfulness and being aware of the bodily sensations in the body. The Buddha talks about observing the bodily sensations because in meditation through our breathing mindfulness meditation, if you observe any bodily sensations, you can observe those, but then cut them off, let them go and come back to the breath because this is developing the four foundations of mindfulness of bodily sensations, feelings, condition of the mind and mental objects. These are the four foundations of mindfulness that someone would need to cultivate in order to practice right mindfulness and ultimately get to enlightenment. You need to be aware of the bodily sensations associated with discontent feelings that are starting to arise. So if there's anger that's starting to arise, you'll experience bodily sensations first that the mind can become aware of. Oftentimes people aren't aware of the bodily sensations and that's why they go from zero to a hundred and they get into rage so quickly. But if you train the mind really well in meditation and all other aspects of this path, you can start to develop awareness of the bodily sensations that occur before something like anger or frustration or even guilt and shame and fear, even happiness, excitement, elation or 
boredom, loneliness, shyness, all of these other feelings, before those feelings come into the mind, there's going to be a bodily sensation. And where you observe that, you should cut off and let go of any arising discontentedness as a bodily sensation. And if you can have that level of awareness and that level of control over the mind, then the feelings never get into the mind. And thus, it doesn't affect the condition of the mind, and it doesn't form mental objects. The Buddha describes someone who's developed mindfulness to the point where they can observe the bodily sensations prior to discontentedness, and they have the ability to cut it off and let it go there. He describes this person is nearing close to enlightenment, because if you're not observant of those bodily sensations and you're, it's just blowing past those and becoming feelings and affecting the condition of the mind for an hour or a day or two or a week or two, this person hasn't yet developed the ability to have awareness of those bodily sensations and cut it off and let it go there. So as part of breathing mindfulness meditation, this is why when you feel a little itch or you feel a scratch or something else in the body, I suggest for somebody not to scratch it and just observe the impermanent nature of this bodily sensation that it arises, it changes, and then it fades away. And if you can start developing that as part of your meditation, then in daily life, it becomes easier for you to be aware of these bodily sensations that are arising when something like anger is coming or frustration or any of these other discontent feelings, whether they're pleasant feelings, painful feelings, or feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. And being able to observe it there as bodily sensations and cut it off, this person is nearing close to enlightenment. There are sensations expressed by the body of love while practicing loving kindness meditation. Is this cultivating of love towards others and we should welcome this or we also should cut it off? When you're in loving kindness meditation, if you're feeling kind of loving kindness permeating in the mind, there you would let that keep permeating. It's very different than breathing mindfulness meditation. In breathing mindfulness meditation, we're cutting things off, we're letting it go, we're coming back to the breath. This is training the mind to eliminate craving, desire, attachment. But in loving kindness meditation, we are attempting to fill the mind, permeating the mind, or pervading the mind with loving kindness. So if you observe this wholesome quality coming into the mind, then you would like to support that, encourage that, and don't allow it to fade. Continue to allow it to fill the mind. That's what that loving kindness meditation is for. And then when you move into breathing mindfulness meditation, that's where you're cutting things off and letting things go. And in daily life, you would like this loving kindness to be permeating in the mind. No matter what's going on around you or what other people are doing, you would like to have the mind filled with this loving kindness so that now your intention, speech, and actions emanate from this loving kindness. Speaking of mindfulness, if one is doing something, if one is reading and is not aware of what's happening in the place they are sitting on while they are reading, is this lack of mindfulness or this is concentration of the thing that we are practicing or It could be both. It really depends. You know, mindfulness is a precursor to concentration. Without mindfulness, we can't get to concentration. So awareness of mind is important. So if you're sitting somewhere reading a book, you should be reading, 
But then as you're reading, if there's any other thoughts that are coming up outside of the context of what you're reading, you should cut that off and let it go. That's what's going to allow you to maintain your concentration. If you don't have mindfulness, then these other thoughts are going to be invading the mind and you can't focus with concentration on what you're reading, for example. So the Buddha talks about practicing mindfulness all the time, all throughout your day, always having mindfulness at all times. Even when you're first waking up in the morning, even when you're dozing off to sleep, there can be thoughts that come to the mind and you need to have awareness of those thoughts and then cut them off and let them go. This is what ultimately will develop concentration. And more and more as you do this, you won't have to do it because as you do this for a year or two or three, however long it takes you to move to the fourth stage of enlightenment, as you get to that fourth stage of enlightenment, the mind's not going to be cluttered with all these erroneous thoughts because you've already done the work in meditation and outside of meditation to train the mind to not have this clutter and that you've cut off these thoughts so many times in meditation and outside of meditation that the mind isn't bombarded with these constant thoughts anymore. All right. So next week on Wednesday, we're going to be doing breathing mindfulness meditation together. This Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 17 of the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. Chapter 17 is about eliminating fears. Are you really scared? And the reason why I titled it this way is because what you're going to find out is you're not actually really scared. You're just experiencing certain aspects of the mind that are producing this fear. I'm going to explain it to you, help you understand it, and then help you understand how to eliminate the fears that arise in the mind. Because as long as there's fear in the mind, the mind can't be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy permanently. A person wouldn't be able to experience enlightenment as long as there's fear. So chapter 17 is devoted to helping you understand what produces fear and then how to actually eliminate it. So if you read that before or after or before and after class, then I'll talk about it on Sunday and help you understand it as well as provide an opportunity for you guys to ask questions. So until I, next time, either Sunday and or Wednesday, have a lovely rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.